When every step so hard to take All of my hope is fading away When life is a mountain that I cannot climb You carry me Jesus carry me Strengthen my weakness and you are the refuge I seek. You are everything in my time and need. You're everything. You're everything I need. In every moment, it's more than I can take all of my strength. Slipping away when every breath is harder to breathe. You carry me, Jesus, carry me. You are strengthening my weakness, and you are the refuge I seek. You are everything in my time of need. You're everything, you're everything I need, you, you're everything I need, I love everything about you, you are strengthen my weakness and you are the refuge I seek. You are everything in my time and need. You're everything. You're everything. You are strengthen my weakness and you are the refuge I seek. You are Everything in my time and need You're everything You're everything I need Everything You're everything I need Barbara went to her mother's this weekend and all, and we went back and picked out an old song and all. I hope we don't mess it up too bad, but I hope you enjoy it. All we want to do is just praise the Lord.
But this time, Brother Ronnie is going to bring our special. Promised Land is, I think, good about helping people when they're down, uh, lending a hand. And I, I, I sung it, and I, and I heard this song, I just couldn't get away from it, even though I may not can sing it. <laughs> but it's called, y'all probably know it, Another Soldier Down. You see a brother or sister in Christ that needs your hand, you know, just reach out, help them out. The Lord says we don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight, we fight against the devil and his angels. Wearing a mind, a conflict here, the army of the Lord, we must join forces standing tall. And lend a helping hand. The enemy is now in view. And bravely circles round. Then comes a cry from the battlefield. Another soul. Then go with haste, stand by his side, and lend your strength once more. Oh, bear him up with faith and prayer until the battle's over. I'll fight before. Cross before a crown. Be ever watchful. Hear the cry. Another soldier down. We set our minds on victory. Advancing day by day With God our whole strategy Our hope along the way And at the end There is a rest A never All in the fear, no more to hear. Another soldier down. Go then with haste, stand by his side, and lend your strength once more. Oh, bear him with faith and prayer until his battle's over. We'll fight before a victory. 
crown, cross before a crown. Be ever watchful over the cry another soldier down. Amen. Thank you, Brother Ronnie. You cannot have uh, two. I've read this story time and time again. I don't think we should get too comfortable with the Word of God and the stories that we read over and over. Probably have over 30 sermons on the prodigal son. And uh, it is a story that is timeless. Maybe it's uh, timeless for you. Maybe there's somebody here. It may be your first time to read the story. When I think of the prodigal son, I immediately think of Luke 15. That is where we're headed this morning in the book of Luke. Um, In the first two Sundays, I really talked about the respect and how that we're getting away from the Word of God and it how that it is the ultimate rule of faith and our objective in life and doing, and so that we need to pray that we would become more fixated in reading the Word of God. I went to Little Rock this week uh, to get, went with Taylor, we were picking up her dress uh, the wedding dress and all of that, and and so I didn't go in there. And somebody said, "Did you see it on her yet?" No, <laughs> I didn't. I, they dropped me off at the Christian bookstore. I was aiming to get. Uh, there was some of you asked about some of those read through the Bible tracks, and I was going to get that. And I got this other thing that I was going to uh, start on Wednesday night. We're about through with relationships. If you're not plugged in on Wednesday night, I try to make. My Wednesday night Bible study, I just call it Bible study. Some people say sermon, lesson, I'm teaching the Word of God, okay? And I try to make it as useful and as practical. I know we've got a lot of people that work hard all week, and they're just as tired as one of the rest of you. And so please, if you can come, spend 40 minutes, recharge yourself on Wednesday night. If you're not plugged in, come on. I know you're tired, wore out. I will come help you. I'll, I'll pick you up if you need me to. Call me. I Don't just ask me. I will come get you and bring you here. You may be too tired to drive. That's all right. I'll come get you. And uh, so Wednesday night, Bible study, all right? I encourage you. Well, I try to make it. You can ask the people to come. Make it as useful. I don't just get up here and throw you some Bible lesson that, well, that's pretty. Okay. <laughs> I try to give you stuff you can use, okay? Stuff, relationships. And we're going to talk about a different, uh, it's, it's about to end, we're getting some new stuff. A uh, quick note before I read the Word of God also, uh, had a, just want you to pray in, uh, an opening really, and I asked the church if I could do this, and I knew that uh, I was having a, a neat honor, I brought it this morning, uh, for, I think the first time ever, uh, Ashley County Chaplain uh, there in Ashley County, just a neat privilege, a neat honor. And uh, so uh, somebody said, well, what do you do? Are you a cop? No, no, I'm their pastor, okay? And there's another guy, and uh, David uh, Bowie, and he's already employed by the Ashley County Officer and uh, Sheriff's Office, and he is also, we're going to get together and try to work together. 
on ministering to these guys, and they're they're in a tough field. They're in a tough line of work, and also uh, as the door opens to the inmates and different things, but mainly to the officers. Because they may not be plugged into a church home. If they are, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to encourage that. They need to be plugged in. And uh, those guys are under a lot of stress, a lot of pressure. I've seen it with my dad for years and years and years. Uh, one of the first people that he wanted to talk to, I'd been surrendered preached two years when he had his first fatality, when he had to shoot and kill a boy. And I say a boy, it was a young man and uh, that tried to kill him. And so that was a tough time. In the state of Texas, Department of Public Safety, state trooper, if you are involved in a fatal shooting, you have a mandatory 30-day suspension, and it's mainly for the officer. The officer to recover and to get through and go through the different the state mandatory counseling program, and he wanted to go through father-son counseling time. And that was a tough time in my dad's life. There was another time that there was no fatality, but he was held hostage for a while. And there's been a lot of officers that have been through uh, different uh, scenarios and tough times, difficult times. Of course, you know, our, uh, you know, Brother Bull, you know, and all the stuff that he's been through. He's been through a lot. And so these guys, they go through a lot. Pray that I would take that position. It's volunteer or appointment, ever what you want to call it. And uh, just to be able to have some opportunities to minister. And that means to serve, by the way, and just to serve. So pray that that would go well. Uh, let's back to the Word of God and reading the Word of God. How many of you have your Bible? Hold it up. Hold it up. Oh, there you go. Good. If you don't have one, there should be one near you or in front of you. I'm a fan of all kinds of Bibles. I love the Word of God. I do. I think I get worried about it. Oh, by the way, I appreciate Brother Trey, my associate, whom you elected a year ago this month. Uh, he loves the Bible. I get worried whenever a preacher doesn't talk about it. Trey and I talk about the Bible all the time. He, I tell him what I'm working on. He tells me what he's working on. If he didn't, I'd be worried or firing him warm, okay, and encouraging him. But he, does, he loves the Word of God. You can have an electronic Bible. You might have this as a Kindle, and uh, you might have that. that. That's good. You might have a, uh, I don't know where I put it, but uh, anyway, that you might have a phone that's a Bible. There it is. And uh, this is my old phone. It's just an iPod now for me. And uh, no, my other two kids are not getting it. It's mine. Okay. Anyway, so it, it's got a lot of neat Bible stuff on it. And uh, so I encourage you, I don't care if it's electronic or paper, and I don't care if it's on those thin lines with little bitty words in it, <laughs> or if it's one large print like this, or if it's an 800-pound behemoth, okay? Read it, okay? Read it. Read the Bible. There's all sorts of plans. You will grow weak and weak as a child of God and a Christian. Uh, also going to start something, uh, Lord willing, uh, uh, new. Uh, to me, I don't think I've ever done this, but maybe twice in the last 27 years. And uh, just, uh, but I feel like we're losing our focus on that, how important this book is. So, uh, as some of you have done before, I'm going to ask all of you to stand up. All of you stand up to respect the reading of God's Word this morning. 
The Bible says in the book of Luke, we'll begin with verse 11. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. I'm in Luke 15, 11, 12. And he divided them unto his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word this morning and I pray that your word would be more important to us in our lives, that we would read it if people are intimidated by it. I pray that I and the church would be able to equip them with the the means to get over the maybe the size of it or the, the subject matter and just read it and make it a part of their everyday life. Father, help us as we look to this part of your word this morning. May we understand that there are people all over this church, this county, this community that are running from you, that are living lives unpleasing to you. Uh, that may be a prodigal child that we're praying for or a grandchild right now. I pray that we would have them in mind this morning for just a little while. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for that. There is more to the story, but I wanted to get the story started. And that is looking at the prodigal son's desire this morning. And uh, there was... A lot of things that were coming across my mind in 2 Corinthians, as you just turn just a few pages over, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, what's going on with this prodigal son this morning is the same thing that uh, is happening in a lot of families today. There are a lot of families and homes that are are faced with prodigal children, that they, you train them, and sure, there are, there are no perfect parents in here anywhere. But we all try, I mean, sometimes we send our kids to church when we really should bring our kids to church. There are a lot of times, our, we, you can do everything right, and still your kids can make wrong decisions. And I, I just imagine this dad here, how this, his heart ached when his son made this decision, but folks, this son had a desire. He had a wrong desire, and this desire was simple. It was real simple. It was his flesh. Our flesh loves to crave sin. Our flesh loves to crave pride and independence. Matter of fact, in this scripture that I'm about to read to you here, just like Brother Ronnie said, our battle's not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual stuff. They're spiritual problems, and that's the reason that if you're struggling this morning, it's a matter of your heart. Your heart is not right, and your heart is what you crave, what's important to you. And it says in 2 Corinthians 10:4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. It's not a gun or a knife or a bat but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I need God's help. A stronghold is a fortress. And I've heard preachers preach about this before, and maybe you have also. 
is that and and it's inside of your heart right now. There's something right now that causes you to backslide to sin, and you may be in church on this Sunday morning, the Lord's Day, 2012. Just doesn't seem like it's 2012. But you may be here this morning, but right now in your heart, you're not living the way you should live. You're not walking with God, though something's keeping you from it. There's a. You may be struggling with a sin of the heart. You may be struggling with a sin. There's a stronghold in your life. A lot of our young people, people can be faced with the. The sin of uh, adultery, a sin of uh, fornication, the sin of uh, pornography, the sin of of uh, reckless life, the sin of gossip, the sin of of uh, a hurt marriage, the sin of uh, divorce, the sin of all these things, and though that a lot of times you there's all sorts of underlying causes for all of those things, and what it does, it may just be a simple sin of pride. But it becomes a stronghold. And I preach this and preach this. You know, I mentioned about divorce and you say, well, what's sinful about that? Well, number one, God's design is for a man and woman to marry and stay together forever. And uh, and I came from a broken home, so I I know all about how it affects especially the kids. Been through all that, shared many of you have heard my testimony and just all kinds of things along that line. But I know this, I know this, and I'm going to get to something that I think is a problem. I know it's a problem in promised land, but it's a problem in just about every church. And you cannot leave promised land and go to another church, and it's a problem there too. And uh, let me just hint at it, and that is this. People get away from God, and then they get intimidated to come back to church. People get away from God and they get intimidated about getting it right. And they won't do it and it becomes a problem of pride. No matter where you're at in life right now, what you're going through, mistakes you've made in the past, it doesn't matter. Learn from the past, but put it in the past. Matter of fact, Paul, who thought his life, he thought he was the chiefest of sinners. He said, I am the chief of sinners because I killed people, put them in prison for the cause of Christ. In other words, he was the bad guy. And, uh, but he says in Philippians chapter 3, he said, Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press for the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And so we have here, folks, if you're struggling with a sin, if you're struggling with a, a Something, there's something right now, everyone in this room is struggling with something. All of us have a weakness. It just may be gossip or pride or, or running people down or trashing people or just, I mean, there's so much of that in Ashley County and everywhere. You can't get away from it. Remember somebody said one time, they, you know, we've, we've graduated from Hamburg since I've been here from this church. You know, almost 40 seniors. And they, they go off and they go somewhere and they say, well, man, I grew up in uh, my school and my community is just full of, of, uh, drama and, 
gossip and people talking about one another and running people down and that's all that is in the flesh, but it doesn't matter where you go, that's the way people are. You just have to learn to deal with it. There's some places it's better than others, I'm sure. You know, we get into a system where uh, whenever we're running from God, the you know, we the flesh wants to move from pain to pleasure. In other words, we have hurtful things happen. The flesh wants to go from moral absolutes to substitutes. Matter of fact, today's world we call it alternative lifestyle. Uh, yeah, that's a there's all folks. There's only there's only one lifestyle, and it's painted here in the Word of God. And that's a life given to bring in God, honor, and glory. And this fellow didn't want to do it. He wanted to do his own thing. I read this a long time ago, and then I heard it the other day in a sermon. And I remember writing it down in the front cover. In my old Bible, I've got two that I've put up in a box that I've worn out. And uh, anyway, and, and I often write things. And those blank pages in the front or back of my, especially if I hear something that I like. And this was one of them. It says this, any sin you uncover, in other words, confess. And it's right there in your bulletin. I'm just reading from the bulletin in the introduction. God will cover. Any sin you uncover or confess, God will cover with his blood. Any sin you cover... God will uncover to your shame. He did it with David. There is a verse in the book of Numbers that says, Be sure your sin, church, will find you out. And it will. And it will. You say, I don't know. I've had this sin covered a pretty long time. Oh, God will uncover it eventually. Confess it to Him. Confess it to others. Somebody you can trust. Uh, we had a good tied-up conference yesterday. We didn't take a huge crowd, but it snuck up on uh, Trey and myself. But anyway, we had, <clears throat> had announced it Wednesday and different things. But uh, there was one speaker that made a, a neat deal, talked about integrity and having integrity. And uh, he said he used to love. You told him something he used to love to go tell it to others. He said then he got saved and he realized how much hurt and pain he had caused a ton of people in his life. He said, you tell him something now, it's going to his grave. That's integrity. And many people in our church and in our community lack integrity. It's just your flesh, by the way. If we do that, it's your flesh. Our flesh enjoys it and loves it. It may be a stronghold in your life. A stronghold is something you cannot defeat by yourself, but you need God's help. Okay, you cannot defeat by yourself. You need God's help. The prodigal son was wrong. That's the very first point that I want to get to. And uh, and just what I want to do, let me uh, get back over here in Luke 15. I'm going to put my Bible marker there. I want to hold that. I want to head real quick to uh, Proverbs 23:7. Okay, hang on. Now, I'm fixing to shift gears. That was a long front porch. And we're fixing to blow through this house real quick. You ready? All right. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7. <clears throat> for, as a ma- for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. And, you know, you think about a man. For as a man thinketh in his heart, that's the way he is. The prodigal son in our text 
He said, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. He thought his greatest asset, he, he was getting an inheritance and he knew it. An inheritance, a trust, or ever what. He thought that was his greatest asset. I put in your bulletin, if you've got one, his greatest asset wasn't his funds. His greatest asset was his father and he didn't even know it. And folks, that is your greatest asset also. It's not what you have. Many of us love the blessings of God more than the blesser. We love what we get more than who gave it to us. And that's what this fellow didn't even see. And so many of us are caught up in life enjoying toys and playing with stuff and playing in life, yet not having anything to do with God, the fellow who gave you the stuff to begin with. He's, and his dad, maybe he's saying, well, <clears throat> I could force him to stay, but I want him to freely love me and work with me here at my place, my home, to do for me. And so God's up there in heaven saying, I want you to come to church on your own volition, your own will. I want you to serve me because you love me, not because I can keep your inheritance and force you to love me. I don't believe that. I don't believe God is in the forcing business. And He could do it if He wanted to. But... There are several things that will happen when you leave God and you have the pull of the flesh. The world is a strong enchantment. Many of our young people said, you know, they want to go into the far country. And it's enchanting, man. College, man. UAM is too close. <laughs> man, I want to go far away. And go to college somewhere else. And that, there's nothing, I'm not down in that. I'm just saying there's an appeal to it. There's an appeal to leaving home and getting off on your own. I, I mean, I left house whenever I was 18, moved to seminary to my college, because I'd already surrendered to preach. And I was driving back and forth to college, Stephen F. Austin State University in Nacogdoches, Texas, which is about the same distance from here to UAM. And God had different plans and different ideas for me to get involved and, and to do more and to give my life, not just toy with Him. But, and that's what I was doing. Basically, I told God this, I'm going to college to be a basketball coach and a history teacher, and I'll preach whenever I want to. <laughs> that's, about, that's what God did. He laughed, Brother Ian. <laughs> he said, okay, go for it, dude. Most miserable year of my life. And there just happened to be a fellow, Brian Seminole, who was the dean's son-in-law, going to college there. To He's one of our ABA chaplains in the U.S. Army right now. One of my good buddies. And uh, he was happened to, he's finishing up his master's degree. He said, have you ever visited seminary? I said, no. He said, come go with me. I'll take you and we'll spend the night at my father-in-law's house. Well, the enchantment of going off and, and going to somewhere different. And that's what happened to this fellow. I can do what I want to do. And that's what he said here in verse 13. He said, And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and wasted his substance with riotous living. Man, it's time to get after it. I've got all the funds I need, everything I want. This is a great story of what can 
go wrong. It beams with enchantment. But according to verse 13 and 14, the far country, whenever our kids move out, if they leave God out of the picture, will always lead to wasteful living and severe famine. You leave God out of your life and it will lead to a wasted life. Because I don't care what you do in life. I don't care if you uh, go and volunteer at every orphanage in the world when you die. If it wasn't for the Lord, if you didn't do it for Him, you said you, you might have fed a few mouths, but if you didn't point them to Jesus, they won't know Him. They won't know you might have fed a few mouths, but they won't know Jesus if you don't point people to Him. Verse 14 says, And when he had spent all, there rose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. I ask you this morning, think about it. How many of us in this room, I mean, uh, my nephew just turned uh, 17 years old, and I, I was just thinking, if I had what I know now, you know, what's the old saying? If I knew then what I know now, okay, and I, but you know, that's all I know is is these joints wouldn't hurt. You know, Steve Collins was laughing at me when I was grunting getting out of the pew earlier, and uh, he said, "Just you wait, okay." And that's that's true, you know, and abuse my joints and do things I shouldn't do with with my body and I'm, I'm through church i'm going to try to promise not to do anything stupid in 2012 like jumping off a house okay and just you know that's true but uh but think about this think about this how many of us you learn from your mistakes and all of that and th- stuff's hurting and you remember back whenever you could as you know uh, one time casey riley and i was talking about man whenever we were in our 20s and we were bulletproof i mean you just bounce off the ground. It doesn't matter. Jump out of the Empire State Building. It didn't matter. Bulletproof. But it, folks, it all catches up. But if you're not living for the Lord, you can think back to what I call wasted years. Every one of us have a time in our life, you say, that was wasted. I wasted that time. I was doing what I wanted to do. Some of us more than others. Talking about wasted time. He was wasting time. Wasting time. And he began to be in want. There will come a time. There are people that are loving life, but there will come a time when you when it's all gone. When the feel good is over and you have to live with the results of your decisions. He spent everything. It always gives less than promise. It gave him nothing in return. Verse 15 says, And when he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, he sent him in the fields to feed swine. Oh, I've got a top job now. (laughs) I'm feeding pigs. And he would have fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. And the end of verse 16 says, He's got no friends left. 
Hmm. Where's all the people from the party? Where's all the people from the get-togethers? The ladies, the girls, the guys. The Bible says in verse 17, And when he came to himself... Now, this is a sad story right here, but it's just going to get a whole lot better. So, y'all hang on. Uh, I love to study Greek, teach it in seminary, all of that stuff. But I read after a guy by the name of A.T. Robertson, Greek scholar back in the early part of the 1900s. He said this, and when it says there, he, he translated that, he began to think. He began to think. The Bible says in my King James Bible, when he came to himself. Now, if I compare that, think about this. What did I just say? The very first part of this story, he was thinking wrong. He thought his greatest asset was the big trust or inheritance that he was going to get. And his father gave it to him. Right or wrong, we don't really know his motive. but, But then he began to think. And now he's thinking right. When you begin to think and you think, God, what has God done for me? And, you know, you got to thinking, my dad's got servants that are better off than me. My dad's custodian is better off than me. My dad's janitor is better. My dad's barn worker is better off than me. All my dad's farm hands are better off than me. And I'm laying here sleeping in a barn, feeding the pigs. I have nothing left. Matter of fact, I don't deserve his help. Verse 17, he says, uh, I'm perishing, I'm starving to death. Folks, he had a change of mind. Basically, he said, I want to go home. That's what I want to, you know, I, you know, I put in the outline, I want to go to the Father's house. But let me just tell you this, I, I want to go home. I'm tired of this way of living. I'm tired of, and I've made some mistakes, but... I've got to swallow my pride. But he didn't care. He didn't have any pride left. He began to think. He left haughty. He came back humble. Folks, nobody has ever gotten rid of a stronghold without confessing that it is sin. Folks, before you get right with God, before you can say, I need to get right. So many people they say, well, I just want to come and sit in a pew and maybe just the, just the presence of this wood will, man, help. And folks, there's nothing like coming and praying at the altar and there's nothing special about this carpet. But folks, if you want to get right with God, say, God, I'm sorry, I've sinned. You didn't get saved without saying it. And you might not have said those words. But you just said, I, I'm a sinner. Lord, I want you to be my Savior. You realize you're a sinner. And that's the reason Jesus died for you. And then, after you, folks, after you get saved and, you're, and you want to live another way and you run from God, there's been a lot of people in the Bible, after they're saved, make bad choices and then come back. To God. But folks, these pews aren't going to help you get back right. Sitting in church, we have great singing, decent preaching, 
and all of this stuff, but just sitting in the congregation doesn't change you. You must say, man, I need to make a decision. I've messed up God. And you don't need to confess it to me. You don't need to confess it to anybody but to God. But if you want somebody to hold you accountable, find somebody you can trust. Somebody that will take it to their grave. And y'all walk together in confidence, holding one another accountable. Most times it should be your husband and wife. Maybe it's a trusted friend. Somebody that will hold your feet to the fire and say, you need to straighten up. But most of us don't have guts enough to confront a friend or a family member or a son or a grandson or whomever. It's tough. Folks, the, hard, the right thing to do, I've said this to many, many of you, the right thing to do is sometimes the hardest thing to do. He left haughty. He came back humble. No one has ever gotten rid of a stronghold without confessing it. I will arise, I'm in verse 18, and tell my dad I've sinned. I've sinned against you and against heaven. And I'm not worthy to be called thy son, but folks, he was still his son. Here we go, get ready. Uh, And he's going on, and he arose, and he came to his father. And when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, and ran. He's sitting there, he's looking, he's seeing his son coming, and his son saying, Oh, uh, man, there's somebody coming. There's a dust trail behind him. He's coming like a house on fire. This fellow's running and he falls on him and he grabs his son and he hugs him and he kisses him and he grabs up to him and he loves him. He doesn't care who's watching. He messes up his hair and everything. Kisses on him. He loves his son. And then he says, you know, I like, he says, go get a robe and a ring and a stake. Man, I like this guy. And he says, put a ring on him. And get, oh, by the way, he says, get shoes. I like the way the country preacher put it one day. He says, bless God. All God's children got shoes. All right. And so he says, but he didn't have any shoes. He used my son. Then he goes on to say, for this is my son. He once was lost. Now he's found. He threw it. Folks, God throws a party when God's people come home. Our upward program is allowing people visiting Brother Darren about this yesterday and he made a thought, and I said, man, that's good. That's good. And God's just, God does stuff, and I don't even know about it, and I just thank Him for it anyway. Allowing people to come into our facilities that are intimidated by church. They're intimidated by this building right here, right here. There's some people that think for some, because that's all they've heard, Man, if I show up at church, the building will fall in. I, if somebody tells me that, it says, okay, we got a lot of carpenters. I don't care. Just come on. We'll prop it up. It'll be all right. But folks are intimidated. You know why? 
we've all got stuff in our life. And we think, and folks, this is where you're wrong and I'm wrong. If you're doing anything or I'm doing anything to intimidate people where they feel uncomfortable in church, then we need to make something different happen. To make people realize that if they come to church, we're going to be like the prodigal's father and we're going to run meet them. And we're going to meet them not, on, not in the church, but we'll meet them in the parking lot. And we'll say, I'm so glad to see you. I'm glad you came. I want to hug you. I'm glad you're here. Let's come on in. I've got a robe for you. I've got shoes for you. I want to help you come back and have a right relationship. There's something wrong. Whenever... We portray an atmosphere to where we think we're holier than thou. If I do it or you do it, I'm wrong. Whatever. Most people also make the mistake of stereo. And anybody that knows me knows I don't think that. And anybody in this church that knows me know how you know how I am. And I know how the majority of you are. And you don't think that, but people have a stereotype misconception of what church and how people act and behave. And a few people's actions reflect on everybody. And thinking that, well, they're, I don't have the right clothes. I don't have the right shoes. And I don't live right. And I made some mistakes this week. So I don't guess I'm welcome. And that's our fault. Yes, we need to stand against sin. Yes, we need to stand against what's wrong. Sin is still wrong. But I still love the person that sins. As we prepare for a hymn of invitation... God through, excuse me, this prodigal dad <clears throat> through a party whenever uh, the son came home. We need to be excited when people I want to serve the Lord. <clears throat> I want to get right. May you be an encourager to somebody this week. If maybe you've got a decision you need to make this morning, just simple one. Say, God, I've sinned. I want to get right. Or maybe, Lord, I've, I've, I'm through. Listen to me very closely. I'm through wasting time. I need to do the right thing. It's easy. You just let. You just enjoy life, and it'll wait. And we don't really focus and do anything for God.